Welcome to the New Providence Presbyterian Church podcast, where we will share our messages from our weekend worship services. We hope these messages will inspire you and challenge you in your walk with Jesus. Oh man, I am so thankful that I get to share the word of God with you this morning. And we are jumping into our second week of Advent. And since Pastor Jeff last week shared a personal story of the darkness, I felt it necessary to share one myself. So once upon a time, there was a 13-year-old girl named Audrey. Ta-da! And we were doing a play at, at my home church where my parents pastor. And there's this part, it's kind of like this. So we have the sanctuary and we have doors that kind of lead to the back part of the church. And there's like a secret tunnel that you can go down, but only, you know, the real ones who know the church know about the secret tunnel. That's the fastest way to get from the sanctuary to the basement where we had all of our changing things. So it was um, our music director kind of leading. I was right behind the music director and my brother John was behind me and we were kind of like a train of people running towards the bottom to do a quick like costume change. And it was really, really dark. All the lights were off and it was kind of like a really quick thing that we needed to do. So I tell the music director, do you think we should turn on the lights? And he was like, I was born in this church. I know my way around. And I was like, okay. So we're like running down the stairs and no further than 10 seconds later do we hear a boom. And my brother and I just freeze and the music director's like, oh. He had ran into a wall. He had ran into a wall. And he is okay. He is alive to tell the story. But... After that, he had a nice big purple mark right on his forehead as a reminder that even though we might think that we know our way around, even in a little bit of darkness, it is no bueno. (laughs) It's not a good idea. Jesus came to be the light of the world, to bring light to our darkness so that we no longer have to depend on thinking that we know our way around. Jesus came to illuminate the path. Jesus came to show us the way so that we wouldn't have to bump into walls anymore. And when we do, it's not his fault. It's not because his light didn't shine bright enough. It's not because he didn't show up on time. It's because we just were a little stubborn and we refused to follow. So we're going to dive into the book of John this week in chapter 9. And a little, a little bit of context before. Jeff kind of talked about this briefly last week. Jesus had made a very bold declaration in chapter 8. I am the light of the world. Now, the crowd was divided in two at this point. Some people were like, oh my gosh, could he really be the Messiah? Could he really be the one that we were waiting for? And then you have the other side, the Pharisees and the religious leaders who are like, I don't know about this guy. He's saying some, I am the light of the world? What is this? And then Jesus takes it a little bit further. And at the end of chapter 8, he says to them as he's having this dialogue with the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are like, okay, so you're saying you're the light of the world. Are you saying then that you are, you know, greater than Abraham and then all of our prophets and all of these great forefathers, our ancestors. And Jesus looks him square in the eye and he says, truly, truly, I tell you, before Abraham was, 
I am. And truly, truly, the Pharisees were very mad. (laughs) How could this be? How could this man be saying such things? And on this side of history, we know that he indeed was the light of the world and that he indeed is the great I am. This chapter, we're going to find a blind man and a miraculous healing that Jesus does. And as we're reading it, we're going to link it to our own spiritual walk. We're not blind. We might kind of need glasses to see a little bit clearly. But Jesus is the only one that can heal us from our spiritual blindness and that can illuminate the darkest night. Let's jump in to chapter 9. We're going to read the first seven verses. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It is not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. He anointed the man's eyes with the mud, and he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Praise God. Here we find a blind man. And what is most incredible in this story, and you can read this a little further on in the chapter, this is the first time throughout the entire Bible that we see a blind man who was born blind being healed. Throughout the history and the narrative of Scripture, no prophet, priest, or king ever did the deed of healing a blind man. No one had recovered their sight This was something that only the Son of Man could do. Jesus, who became our prophet, priest, and king forever, was the first to perform this miracle. And after that, he empowered the apostles, and we hear of of glorious miracles. But he was the only one who did it first. And this happens to fulfill scripture. In Psalm 146, 8, it says, The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. Who? The Lord. And in Isaiah 35, 5, which we read in our call to worship this morning, he is coming, God who will save you, and he will open the eyes of the blind. A work prophesied to be done by the Messiah. So let's dive into these verses a little deeper. We see that this man was born blind. He was blind from birth. To make a connection, because of the brokenness and the darkness in this world, we are all born blind. Without the light of Jesus, without having that encounter with the Son of God, the truth is we are spiritually blind. We are walking around just like we were in my home church, trying to find the right way, thinking that we knew the right way, thinking that we knew our way around, The truth is we were just walking in darkness. Jesus came to break that. Darkness is the absence of light. No light 
we can't see. If we can't see, we don't know where we're going. And when we don't know when we're going, that can cause a little bit of, of anxiety. I cannot, here's a confession, don't tell anyone. I, I get lost everywhere. If I don't have a GPS, I'm straight out of luck. <laughs> like, I am not getting to my destination. I need the GPS. And my dad is like, like a walking GPS. I could call him and be like, Dad, you remember that store that has the tree? And he'll be like, um, yes. And he can get me out of any situation. Like, he can find his way around. Jesus is the only one who can do that for our lives. The only one. But we are so stuck in our ways and we are so, no, I, I totally know my way around. I know how to get here because I've done it before. But if there is no light, no matter how much we think that we know something, the truth is we're not seeing clearly. And that can lead us to hurt. My friend had a nice little bump on the forehead to show it after. And then the disciples go, wow, okay, so there's this blind man. Immediately their reaction was, hmm, who did something? Someone must have done something. Someone must have sinned. Someone must have messed up at some point so that this man would be in the position that he is now. They were going with their Old Testament teaching that that was the way, generational curses and, and all of this stuff because of sin. And Jesus stops them right in their tracks and he says, no, 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 no. This is so that the glory of God can be displayed. And in a few chapters later, in chapter 11 in John, when Jesus gets the news that his friend Lazarus is very, very sick, he tells his disciples the same thing, and he sends word back to Mary and Martha and Lazarus, saying, this sickness will not end in death. This sickness is so the glory of God can be displayed. When we're walking in darkness, what tends to happen is instead of really critically and analyzing a situation, since we can't see clearly, we start, you know, putting blame on other things. But the light of life offers grace. And grace creates space so that the glory of God can be displayed. I mean, I don't know about you, but I do this all the time. I start blaming things when I don't, when I don't understand. The world is the way it is, because politics are just bleh. Man, the school system is the way it is because the people in charge just aren't doing their jobs. Man, that pastor cannot preach a good sermon. I know no one's gonna say that here, right? <laughs> we start blaming people and things that we can grasp when the situation that's right in front of us, we can't clearly see because it's natural. Darkness brings uncertainty, but when we invite the light of Christ, it's not that he gives us the full picture. Oh man, that, that would be my greatest wish, I think. Would be, Jesus, can you please show me the whole picture? But then my faith wouldn't grow and my trust wouldn't be developed. And then my obedience would probably be really, really shallow. So 
Jesus is kind of challenging his disciples. It's not why he's like this. It's for what? So that the glory of God may be displayed. And then he makes the declaration for the second time, almighty and powerful, I am the light of the world. I am. And he is. It wasn't a word just for that moment in time. It is a word for here and now. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus can illuminate the darkest place. Jesus is the light and he shines here and now. The world is a very dark place. It is very uncertain. You turn on the TV and all that we hear is just bad news and that bad news gets worse. But Jesus is still the light of the world. And Jesus is still savior and Jesus is still redeemer and Jesus is still the great I am. Everything points back to Jesus. He is still in control. He is still God and he is so, so good. And we can only see that when we choose to live in his light and when we choose to believe that light. Because many can hear about it, but not necessarily believe it. Why are we here? Are we here because we think Christianity is a good message? Or are you here because you think it's true? Jesus is the light of the world. And then the next part, I think is kind of funny and weird. He makes mud. He spits on the ground, he makes mud, and he puts it on the man's eyes. Some commentators say that it was a work of God kind of pointing back to creation when God made us from the dust. And in using the dust and using the dirt, he was about to make a new thing with this man. But it's not so much about the mud, and it wasn't his holy spit, it was who did the miracle. Sometimes we go through life kind of asking, you know, why is this happening and why is this kind of developing the way that it is and, and you know, what's going on here? But we always have to put our eyes back on Jesus. After this, it's kind of amazing. So Jesus initiated the miracle. In our faith walk, let us never forget that everything starts with Jesus. He came to us. We love because he first loved us. We have light because light entered the darkness. We have forgiveness and reconciliation with the Father because he came down first. So Jesus approaches this man and he initiates the miracle, but the miracle didn't happen right away. How awesome would it be if everything we asked for just happened like that? The good things. But Jesus puts the mud on his eyes and the miracle doesn't happen yet. The miracle is carried through by the man's obedience 
Jesus puts the mud on his eyes and then he says, go. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Go. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were a blind person sitting in a corner, not even asking for a miracle, we see miracles in the Bible where the people are like, Jesus, have mercy, save me. This guy was minding his own business. And Jesus came to him, puts mud on his eyes, and then tells him to go wash in the pool. I'd be like, who, who are you? Who do you think you are? Why are you spitting? My sister, my youngest sister, um, she's blind. She was born six, at six months, so she was three months premature. She weighed one pound when she was born. There's a picture where my dad's wedding ring fits loosely around her ankle. And at about, about three months after she was born, her retina is detached. And for preemies, that's usually, you know, really simple fix. They kind of just reattach them. But when they dug a little deeper, they found that the retinas, the place where the retinas are supposed to be attached in the back of the eye, there were actually holes there. They couldn't reattach them. So I grew up in my family taking care of, of, a, blind, of a blind sister. And there's another host of, of issues that she had medically. Um, but because she's blind, we have to be very, very careful not to be crazy loud because we'll shock her, we'll, we'll, we'll scare her, to be honest, because her, her hearing is so um, heightened now because she can't see, her other senses are heightened. So when we approach her, we have to be very, very gentle or she'll get startled. But she knows my voice. So I live in the manse now, and when I come home, the first, I mean, I hug my mom and my dad, but I go home to see Brittany. And when I go into her room, I'll start humming our favorite song. I've been singing it to her since she was born. You are my sunshine. And she immediately just kind of stays there and she's like, I know who you are. She knows it's me. This man had no idea who Jesus was. When my sister hears my voice, she can calm down because she knows it's me. She knows who I am. She's comfortable. She'll follow my lead. This man had no idea who Jesus was, but there was something so trustworthy about the voice of Jesus that this man said, all right, what do I have to lose? I'm going. And the Bible doesn't describe how this man got there. Maybe someone saw and helped him and took him to the pool. Maybe he crawled his way there, feeling his way out. The Bible doesn't describe it, but what we can imagine was that it was a process to get there. The miracle didn't happen at the moment that Jesus put the mud on. The miracle happened in the process fueled by this man's obedience. And this man, Jesus said, go to the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. And it's really cool because it was actually the place that served as a conduit for Hezekiah's tunnel that was built in the Old Testament times that helped water pass through. So it was called the sent because water was sent through that place, through that portal, that tunnel. 
Jesus, follow me here, Jesus, the one sent from heaven, sent this man to the pool called the scent so that he could be healed and so that his sight could be restored. Our ultimate faith journey is initiated by Jesus. He came down and he meets us. And the journey is towards Jesus and the final destination is to Jesus himself. Our journey, in our journey, I was talking to Mike Flavin this week and I was kind of venting a couple of things and I'm like, man, I don't, I don't understand this and how do I make this work? And he said something so awesome. He's like, God's leading is nearly always discovered in the process. So just keep trusting. And I'm like, man, that's good. I'm gonna write it in my sermon. <laughs> In order to have true sight, we need to go to the scent because it is only through him, the light of the world, that we are able to truly see. Jesus wants to heal our world. He wants to bring light into the darkness. He came, he was the light, but he didn't come as this significant, bright, bright, bright light, as bright as the sun, because if it were, everyone would have seen it, everyone would have believed it, and then our whole faith journey, it would, have been, it would have been a different story. He came humbly as a baby, and only the ones that would encounter this light personally would be influenced by it and impacted if they chose to believe. So my question for you this morning is, do you choose to believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the light of the world? Do you believe that Jesus is the sent one from heaven calling us in his love to obedience, to follow his commands, to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, to love our neighbors so that we can partner with him in being carriers of his light into this dark, dark world. As we prepare our hearts for communion this morning, we are going to partake in the bread of life and in the blood that washes all of our sins. As you partake in this, remember that he is the light and that he has empowered you to carry that light and to shine it all around. And continue calling out to God. We continue to encourage you to set those alarms at 12.25, and pray, Jesus, light it up. I was subbing yesterday at my elementary school where I used to work, and I was in a kindergarten class, and my phone started the alarm. So one of the kids goes up to my phone, and he grabs it, and he's like, Ms. Del Campo, your phone is on fire! Because <laughs> I wrote, Jesus, light it up with a bunch of fire emojis. <laughs> And then that started the conversation, what's that? And I'm like, guys, it's almost Christmas. Light is coming. And then their kindergartners, they started, the light, the light is coming, the light is coming. Spread the light. The light came, the light is here. And one day, although our light might seem little and insignificant, 
if we press on, if we continue in obedience, we can be sure, as the book of Revelation says, that one day the Son of Man will come in all of his glory and no longer will we need our little, our little beacons of light because we will not even need the sun or the moon or the stars because the Son of Man will be the light and every eye will see and every tongue will declare that he is Lord forever. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much for letting us come into your presence this morning through worship and through hearing the word. And we pray that we can be deeply impacted by it. Help us to remember that you are the light of the world. And during this week, Father, help us to put it into practice by asking your spirit to reveal in us areas of darkness. And Jesus, continue to light it up for the display of your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.